ready to sink your teeth into scripture and get a bulldog grip on its truth. Let's gnaw on some doctrine and get bulldogmatic. Here is your host. He goes on to say, repentance is always a much more costly thing than Israel knew. And uh, he quotes Joel chapter 2, verse 13. It reads, rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And he relents over disaster. So we see in there that he tells them to rend their hearts instead of their garments. Right. Uh, but we get to the New Testament and we see they're still rendering their, you know, yeah. still tearing the clothes. Yeah. Um, but he also mentions in there uh, what we say uh, is the heart of repentance. It says, return to the Lord your God. Right. Um, he goes on to say in the Old Testament, there are three things that provide evidence that Genuine repentance had taken place. Uh, the first thing is a new trust in the Lord. And he quotes Isaiah 30, verse 15. And that reads, In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. So we spoke last week about trust and uh, faith sometimes being equated in, in the Bible. Is that true in this verse as well? Well, you have to read it to me again because I started thinking about. Well, uh, I don't. Th of course, it's it's. I don't have it in context here. We That's can go fine. back and see no, the context. Just... But uh, the verse itself uh, says, "In quietness and in trust shall be your strength." So it's talking about a new trust in the Lord that we have. Okay, so he probably selected that verse among many that he could have used in quietness and trust. I would say the quietness there is just, uh, remember in the Old Testament especially, there is what we call parallelism, which means you say the same thing twice mm -hmm. using different terms. Okay, right. So quietness and trust are synonyms for the same kind of resting in the Lord. Okay, The trust, be still and know that I am God falls right. into that sense of quietness okay. and trust. So it, it's it's not two different thoughts. It's two different ways of expressing the same thought of right. resting in Christ. Another passage in Isaiah that says, um, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Now that's the King James. Stayed on thee. Many people not knowing the old English think stayed on you means I'm thinking about God all the time. Yeah. What it really means is I'm, he's my stay. I'm right. leaning on him. I'm trusting him. So there's lots of metaphors for that. But essentially, as it relates to repentance, repentance as it, and connects to trust in the sense that I'm no longer relying on my righteousness. I'm leaning on him and the provision he has made in Christ. Right. I want to point out also to people uh, that if you get the book and follow along, which uh, you should do, uh, it's an excellent book. Uh, you'll see that Dr. Ferguson provides more scripture yes. than I'm giving here. Right. But right. Uh, because of time yes. and uh, 
uh, other considerations, uh, and because we want you to buy his book as, as well. And we, we don't, and we don't, we don't, get, a, we don't get a cent <laughs> from it either, no. Uh, it's just a good book yeah. about the Christian life. So. Well, and the other thing is we, we don't want to just read the book for them. You right, know, we, we, exactly. We want you to get the book and, and then use what we're doing as a added commentary to what he says and some some further life applications. Right, but I don't want you to get the idea at all that uh, he just uses one verse right. to to uh, bring out what he has to say. But the second thing uh, that he points out is that there should be first fruits of obedience. And he quote, and one of the verses that he quotes is uh, Jeremiah thirty four fifteen. You recently repented and did what was right in my eyes by proclaiming liberty, each to his neighbor, and you made a covenant before me in the house that is called my name. So the thing I notice in this verse is where it says, repented and did what was right in my eyes. So exactly. does repenting mean what we were talking about before? We tend to see things through our eyes that we need to look at, try to look at uh, what we've done through God's eyes right. and turn right. to, to what is good in his eyes. Right, right. So, so one of the things we could say there, this, so, and this is one of the things I love about the scripture, just you got these layers. So Jeremiah's, the prophet Jeremiah uses that term uh, about doing the things again. Mm -hmm. Is that the way it says it? It says, uh, you recently repented by proclaiming liberty, each to his neighbor, and you made a covenant before me in the house that is called my name. Okay. Uh, somewhere in there, I, I got the, the scripture in Revelations where Jesus says, repent and do the first works again. Mm -hmm. Go back to what you were doing. Step out of your religious routine. Look at the things you were doing when you first became a Christian. Right. And those should be tangible acts like the passage there, you, you liberty for your neighbor, right. uh, and 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 I'd have to look at the whole context, but I'm gonna I'm gonna remind the viewer the the concepts of the the day of jubilee, the year of jubilee, where you were supposed to release everything that uh, all the debts that had accumulated. Mm -hmm. This is a concrete measure of doing something that shows I'm really taking God's word seriously now. Right. And and that's where repentance can be costly, but it's it's I just I'm fascinated the way this that the scriptures is woven together. You mm -hmm. know, you see those concepts again and again. Exactly. The third thing is a rejection of ungodliness and a return to the ways of the covenant. Jeremiah twenty six three reads: It may be that they will listen, and everyone turn from his evil way that I may relent of the disaster that I intend to do to them because of their evil deeds. So the people in the Old Testament, of course, lived under the covenant. Um, tell us what that means and how they would interpret this verse when they read, when they heard it. Okay, so, so there, there's layers to the idea of covenant, but essentially it meant that you came to an agreement that you would do this and the other party would do that. Okay. Right. And so God is saying, and this is this is reflecting on the covenant at Sinai, okay, where God brings the Ten Commandments, 
Mm-hmm. And, and the people say, we'll do all that the Lord has commanded us. Okay. They've agreed to, uh, to do certain things. And so when you talk about the covenant, it just means here's what God said I need to do. I'm going to do that. Right. Okay. Uh, so that's, that's the fundamental. I'm going to make sure I'm not long winded on that because there, there are so many layers there, but, but that's fundamentally do the things you said you were going to do in, in, mm-hmm. in, in following me. So let's take that now and bring it in a little bit to, a, to our day, if we can. A person gets saved and says, oh, God, whatever you ask, I'll do it. Okay, then when God convicts you of something in the word, do you follow through on that? Or do you say, oh, well, yeah, uh, but you don't understand. That's, again, a, a concrete expression of repentance. Mm-hmm. I am going to do what God tells me I should do. And by the way, we are under a covenant called the new covenant. Yes. Uh, and and it's, it's reliance on Christ. You know, right. this is the new covenant in my blood. This is the atoning sacrifice. But there's consequences for that, you know, being in that covenant. We still have those responsibilities as New Testament Christian. Mm-hmm. But it simply means I'm going to do what the Lord has commanded me to do. It's, in, it's interesting how my crazy mind works. <laughs> because when you were talking about that, you are talking about... People uh, say, well, God, I'll do anything for you. And they get to a part. Um, the, the psalm by Meatloaf, who, who passed away, I, I don't know what his real name is. You know, it says, I will do anything right. for, for God, but I won't do that. Right. So um, Do anything for love, but I won't do that. Right. Yeah. So we, we tend to say this, yeah. the same thing. I will do anything for God, but God, no, right. that's, that's an area I won't let you. Yeah. And, and that's a great, another great example of one of those things we have to repent of is that flippant way that we promise God things right. that we, we're not sure we can do or are ready to do. Oh, yes, God. And instead of saying, Lord, bring me to the place. And I know we, I know people know this or should know it, but that, that place in, in uh, John where Jesus says, do you love me? And he asked Peter that three times because Prior to the death and resurrection of Christ, Peter was the boastful man. I can do it. Don't tell me, you know, even saying to Jesus uh, when he when he says, you're going to deny me. No, I'm not going to deny you either. And after the death and resurrection, Jesus asked him three times. And the third time, Peter says, Lord, you know all things. You know, I love you. I'm not going to boast anymore. I'm not going to be I'm not going to be frivolous and and just you know, makes bold promises, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to help me and use me and give me that kind of humility uh, that you see even in Paul, where Paul says to people, if the Lord wills, mm-hmm. if the Lord wills, I will come to you. If the Lord wills, I'll be delivered from this prison. If the Lord wills, mm-hmm. that's not, that's not a uh, vague, I'm hopefully going to do this someday. He's simply saying, I'm not going to boast anymore. I'm not going to brag about it. I'm going to hope that the Lord is going to give me the chance to do the things that I would, that I feel like he's calling me to do. Right. And, and so there's another, another example of ongoing repentance. Well, I, I just wondering uh, when you're talk, talking about uh, Peter and 
we can learn a lot from from that man. Uh, and of course, one of the things that it, it makes me think about is my own experience. When I was a young Christian, I had a bad, a very bad habit as I would try to make deals with God. Right. Oh God, if you would only answer this prayer, right. I will do this for you. Of course, God doesn't mean, need me to do anything no. for him. Uh, but of course, I was a young Christian and, uh, you make mistakes like that. Hopefully, I'm not the only one that makes those mistakes. No, no you weren't. And make myself uh, look like a fool uh, more yeah, so yeah. than usual. No, no, um, no, no. That's part of that's part of the growing experience. Mm-hmm. It is something we have to teach and, and warn people against. But but the fact is that those same kind of that that same kind of need I'm going to call it need can can be manifested even later in your Christian life where you think well. Lord, I'm, I'm doing all this. What, 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 can't you do this? Can't you just do this one thing? Right. Um, uh, so we still have that, that kind of problem. It's part of our humanity, and it's part of the, it's the part of humanity we must re- confess and repent of. Right. Dr. Ferguson goes on. He says, repentance leads to life. And he quotes... Uh, one of the verses he quotes is Ezekiel 18, verses 21 through 23. But if a wicked person turns away from all his sins that he has committed and keeps all my statutes and does what is just and right, he shall surely live. He shall not die. None of the transgressions that he has committed shall be remembered against him. For the righteousness that he has done, he shall live. Have I any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord God, and not rather that he should turn away from his way and live? And Ezekiel 18.31, Cast away from you all the transgressions that you have committed, and make yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, O house of Israel? So Dr. Ferguson brings up also the... uh, prodigal son. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about that. He said that uh, the prodigal son was certainly prompted by regret, uh, but repentance uh, here where we're talking about means more than regret. It means a change of direction. you agree with him there? Uh, Yes, absolutely. That repentance does uh, involve a change of direction. Uh, the, the New Testament word uh, tends to, is typically taken to mean to turn around and go a different way, which would mean a recognition I'm going on the wrong road. I've got to, I've got to turn around. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was thinking on our trip, we, we always take the scenic route, and that means we drive Route 33 to Richmond. And then get Route 5 down along the James River to Williamsburg. It's beautiful, oh, beautiful, beautiful route. Hell. So on the way down years ago, and I'm talking about, I'm not even sure, uh, I, I'm not sure me and Lisa were married yet. So we've been married for 40 years. So at least 40 years ago. And I was on this road and we were going to King's Dominion. And it was some of us in one car and some people in the car behind me. Well, when you get to 33, you get to Gordonsville, 33 breaks off and goes east and 15 continues to go south. Well, I missed that turn, and I kept going south on 33. 
And we got way down, way down the road, and we should have been to King's Dominion a long time ago. And we ended up down at Goochland somewhere. <laughs> and I asked, the, there was a policeman, I asked him, I said, I'm trying to get to this place. And he said, well, you're way off, you know, it's way on the other side. We had to get, anyway, the people in the car behind me were blowing a horn and yelling at me and saying, we're on the wrong road. And I just kept going. That is an example of, of how repentance can lead to life. Because until you listen to the voice saying you're on the wrong road and it's taking you a different direction, uh, it, it shows you how bad I am about holding on to my past mistakes that I remember that so vividly. But, but that's the point. God's saying you're on the wrong road. Right. Why would you keep going that way? It's leading to destruction. Hear my voice and turn. Right. And, live. and live. I don't have any pleasure in your death or in your destruction. Live. And, and, and so, yes, repentance leads us to life. And by the way, uh, there's a passage in the book of Romans chapter 2 where, God, where it says his kindness leads you to repentance. Mm -hmm. It leads to life. Why do we resist God? Why do we continue to argue that my way is better than his? Why do I insist on my will over his will? And, and the, the, the consequence is, is death and destruction, misfortune, harm. So, yes, he's absolutely right. Repentance leads to life. He goes on and quotes 2 Corinthians 7.10, and we talked about this a little. You talked about it at the beginning. It says, for godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. So I know you've talked about it, but expand a little bit more and tell uh, us what the difference between godly grief is and what, and what worldly grief is. Well, like he says, godly grief, uh, Godly grief leads to life and repentance. I feel genuinely sorry about what I have done, and I confess that to God, and he rescues me. Mm -hmm. Worldly sorrow, the way that I, and, and notice he says, without regret, without regret. Right. Uh, it leads to a repentance without regret. Um, the, 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 uh, Connotation I would make is that people will be in hell with regret mm -hmm. because their their repentance was not genuine. It was not real. It was worldly sorrow. Well, I didn't get the accolades. I I, I got caught. Uh, I looked bad. There's no sorrow there. There's no sorrow there. Um, real repentance. Is, is it comes from a recognition. That's why I said earlier, even if everything in my life is right, I can repent because I see that my heart is wrong. Everything could be going good in, in my world, and I still know that, that I have a, this sin struggle, this problem. Mm -hmm. um, one of the ways I'd illustrate that, if I could, is, is uh, the tendency to think that I am responsible for my success. I've worked hard. I've made sacrifices. 
Yes, and thank you for that. But you couldn't have done that without God right. allowing you, planning out your life, giving you opportunities, stirring you up to take to seize those opportunities. See, so that so there's another example where a person might not, might not, might be holding to something they need to repent of, and that's the re- repenting from an idea of self sufficiency. I'm okay. I'm, God is blessing me because I'm this good person. Versus God is blessing me so that He can use my life for His glory. Right. A world of difference there. Yes. So, so that that this, a godly sorrow produces that kind of approach. A, a worldly sorrow says, "I made a mistake," and that's and the consequences of the mistake are as much as I'm concerned about. Once the mistake, once the consequences of the mistake fade or overcome, I'm no longer sorry. Right. And and this is this is the this is the great challenge. People are. People are mad because they got caught and not really repentant. I will use an old story of Jimmy Swaggart. Most, many of the people listening may not know who Jimmy Swaggart was. So he was an Assembly of God pastor back in the 70s, early 80s, who um, probably throughout the 80s, really popular during the 80s. Uh, he went around the country doing... Uh, Crusades had a big following. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they found out that he was visiting prostitutes down in New Orleans. Of course, like all these stories come out, first there's denial; it's not true. Right. Then, when the further evidence comes out, they 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 get up before a crowd and say, "Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I've sinned against God." And I'm I'm quoting almost verbatim from his his thing. Uh, I, I've sinned against God and and all this. Well, under the Assembly of God guidelines, he was supposed to step down for a couple of years from ministry. Okay, mm-hmm. this is a corrective action consistent with the Word of God. Right. He, 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 uh, uh, just a month or two later, he came out and said, God told me mm-hmm. not to submit to that because he's got work for me to do. Now the consequence is that Jimmy Swagger's been on the sidelines ever since. He's 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 not known today. He's still on there. He's got his own network because people keep sending him money, uh, and there have been other exposés done on him since then. Uh, but the point is, how could you say you were sorry for that, and nothing changed in your life? Mm-hmm. You continued to make the kind of sweeping proclamations that that you were the only ministry that was ever going to touch anybody, and if your ministry went down the tubes, uh, evangelism would stop on planet Earth. Wow. This is the kind of comments that, that he was making, so that his tear he was he was crying, mm-hmm. but but there's no evidence that there was any sorrow beyond that momentary embarrassment of this dark part of his life coming to light. Beyond that, there's no evidence that he was ever really sorry because nothing nothing changed. Yeah, what a shame, you know, when that happens, especially in, uh, to people that are in ministry because uh, it just gives a, a wrong appearance yeah. of ministry and, uh, uh, and in and of itself, right. I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Well, and, and if we could 
if we could throw out one more point, and this is very involved, so I don't want the people to get the wrong idea. We just recently had this in the last two or three years with Rabbi Zacharias, mm-hmm. and he died, and all these allegations came to light that he had been he'd been uh, spending money on prostitutes, he'd been sexting people, he had private phones that he was using for that. It was so outlandish that most people just said, "I can't believe that." Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a reminder that no one is so far along the road of righteousness and and earthly service to be immune to those things. Right. That is why we are constantly uh, going before the Lord saying, keep me, confessing our sins, submitting to accountability partners, etc. Because of the danger, when you look at men like that and you think, how did it happen to them? Right. It happened to them because we are sinners. Yes. And we are broken. And it's it's interesting. It goes along. There's, there's more to say there, and I'll stop. It just well, we should never put up a man up on a pedestal. Exactly. Uh, we we look to Christ and to Christ alone. Right. Um, it's in Him and through Him and for Him. Right. As the Bible uh, says. So it's it's good to find a good teacher. Right. To to sit under and listen. And, uh, but we need to realize that, uh, the teacher is a man. Right. And uh, just like you and me. Right. And, uh, susceptible to, to fall. Well, and, and, and if I could say one of the things that, that I could look for in, in that is, uh, and this is, this is, this isn't, even this is not a perfect analogy because, Rabbi Zacharias would always quote other people. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the ways that you can prevent, at least in my my case, prevent uh, prevent the possibility that you reach such a place of arrogance is A, uh, always be drawing from the teachings of others. Mm-hmm. So it's never, well, you know, Pastor Shiflet says, and he's, no, Pastor Shiflet says that, Brother Ferguson says right. that, and then there's Brother Carson, and there's Brother Piper, and there's Augustine, and there's Luther, and there's Calvin, and there's William Perkins, and there's John Bunyan, and so we're we're not just saying, oh, listen to me. Right. Man, God has told me something. You need to hear this, which is especially true in the charismatic circles. God has told me something today, and it lifts up that man instead of saying, let us look at the the trajectory of the historic church and the voices that have been heard along the way. And right. if I keep that in my perspective, then I can see that I'm one part of the story. Right. I, I'm, I'm one chapter in this great unveiling. I'm not the book. Right. And that's where we keep Christ. That's one of the ways we keep Christ central. Exactly. And Dr. Ferguson goes on. He talks uh, about elements in, in repentance. He said the Westminster Shorter Catechism asks, what is repentance unto life? And it, of course, answers that repentance unto life is a saving grace, whereby a sinner, out of a true sense of his sin and apprehension of the mercy of God in Christ, does with grief and hatred of his sin turn from it unto God, with full purpose of and endeavor after new 
obedience. So in reading that, uh, it says repentance unto life is a saving grace. And we talked about this a little bit uh, last time when we spoke about uh, faith. But it, this tells us that repentance is a saving grace. So it's a grace of, uh, of God. So, so God, what God requires from us, he also provides for us. Right. Uh, which is incredible. It gives me chills yeah. when, I, when I think about it. What a, what a God we serve. Yeah. Oh, it's incre- it is incredible. It is incredible. Um, do you have anything to add? I mean, that's, that's so... It's through His grace that He grants us the ability right. to repent. If we say that faith and repentance are linked, okay? Mm-hmm. That faith and repentance are linked. And I'll grab my Bible at this point because I think I could make it from the book of Ephesians. Um, but, But if we say that faith and repentance are two sides of the same coin, and then we look at the scripture and we see that God has given us faith, so that means that repentance is coming with that faith. Right. We're back to that idea that I cannot have faith without some level of repentance, okay? Mm-hmm. So in, in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul talks about all these things, and he says forgiveness of sins, faith that to, to believe, predestination, uh, trust in Christ. We heard the word of his salvation. We received the, the word. All of these things go together, see? And, and so faith and repentance, if God gives us the faith unto salvation, that faith includes repentance. Mm-hmm. And it reminds us of how absolutely dependent we are upon God right. for any of the processes of salvation. It's never a matter of, I woke up on Sunday morning and thought, I'm going to become a Christian. No, I woke up on Sunday morning and thought, oh God, how am I going to survive eternity without you? Those are the kinds of thoughts you begin to have when God is dealing with your heart. Not, well, I wonder if Christianity can make me a better businessman or give me greater success. No, it begins with a recognition of my condition that only God can provide. To be continued, we will continue this conversation in the next episode and it keeps getting more and more interesting. Be sure to like and share this with your friends, and be sure to subscribe to our channel. Thanks for listening.